Good morning, good morning, everybody. How are you? Today is Monday, January 25th. How are we already on the 25th of January? We're already a month into this year, 2021. Did I say 2020? <laughs> it's 2021. I don't know what to say. This is already off to a very weird year today. I thought today was going to be good. Already there's weird things happening everywhere. My name is Dan Benjamin. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Dan Benjamin on Instagram at Dan Benjamin, YouTube at Dan Benjamin. While you're on YouTube, remember to like and subscribe and ring the little bell that'll let you know when I go online. We don't know what's going to happen with Periscope. Right now I'm looking, there's like three or four times as many people on Periscope as there are on YouTube. Let's move over to to YouTube because you know what? It's game over for uh, for Periscope. It's going away, and I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, so here we are. Oh, one more thing. You want to support the show? I need your support. Go to patreon.com slash Benjamin. Trying to pay uh, my mortgage and save for my kids to go to college, and uh, that requires money. And I don't have any sponsors on this show because uh, I'm counting on all y'all. So go to patreon.com slash Benjamin to support the show. Now, if you remember at the end of last week, there was a story about a guy who talked about moving his family uh, to Austin. And I said, I'm going to shred this guy uh, on Monday because it's the most absurd story you've ever heard. And his, the, his mindset, his logic is completely bizarre. And so I'm going to be talking about that, but that's going to be the last thing I do uh, because uh, I have a whole series of uh, news I'm stories that we've got to cover that uh, I'm going to give you a different perspective on because that's what this show is about, right? It's about a different perspective than what you see in, in regular media, but also without the crackpottiness. That's how I build myself. Different perspective without the crackpottiness. Um, Falk says in the uh, in the chat room, Periscope is persistent on iOS, audio and background when in other apps. YouTube is not. Uh, you know what? I have a response to that. No. You are wrong. It is. If you are a YouTube paying member, if you sign up for what used to be called YouTube Red or whatever, if you basically subscribe to YouTube, not only do you eliminate all the ads, but you have that feature where it can run in the background and be persistent and let you switch to other apps. I was so against doing this. I fought it. I did everything I could not to uh, not to do it and finally just gave up and said, you know what? I'm going to try this. And it is so much better not seeing any ads, having it being able to run in the background, having it remember where you were in a video so that you can pause it and start it and stop it. And yes, I get that you can do that with an account, but it works even better when it synchronizes between different apps. So I could be listening to something in my car on the phone. And then when I get in, in into the office or at back home, I have it on my iPad. I can hit play. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. So anyway, come on over to YouTube. Uh, and Periscope's going away, uh, Falk. Just telling you, uh, it's going away. It's going away. So like, you don't have a choice. You've got to switch over. I'm sorry. You've got to do it. No, no, I don't know. You said it. All right. Let's do some news. Some sad news. We'll start with the sad news. Uh, Larry King passed away, 87 years old. Um, I like that they, <laughs> like, <laughs> they're just starting out trying to discredit the UFO stuff in, in, in the headline. In the headline. Announcing that, that Larry King has passed away which is sad. He's first of all, let me just say that Larry King was a tremendous influence to anybody, anybody who does news 
uh, or interviews, radio, TV of any kind, whether they know it or not, they have a lot to thank Larry King for. He was tremendously important. And whether you liked him or not, doesn't matter. Uh, He was tremendously important. And anything that you're doing in podcasting or news or radio or TV, anything that you're doing right now, he has influenced in one way or another. You may not know it, but it's true. Uh, So he has passed away. I'll go into details about that in a second, but I just want to say, listen to this, listen to this, uh, this subtitle. Good morning, Chris. Over five decades, he chatted with an estimated 50,000 people from all walks of life, from presidents and pundits to swindlers and UFO experts. It actually has quotes uh, around experts. I mean, it's... The theater of the mind. Why do you have to do that? Why even mention that? Unless you have what? Oh, an agenda? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. So anyway, Larry King, uh, it, he, he did have COVID, but that's apparently not what he died from. Um, he had, um, he had a stroke back in 2019. He had chest pains. He's had, had a history of heart disease and other things. So, I mean, he wasn't in great health anyway. I don't know if COVID led to conditions that he passed away from. They haven't specifically said, but, uh, you know, he's gone now. Uh, so thanks for all you did, Mr. King. Let's talk about, hold on, I know I have this here somewhere. There it is. Let's let's go to our COVID section. What do you think? Uh, oh, I renamed it, but. Excuse me, I'm in need of medical attention. Okay. Let's talk about COVID. California, this one is making all the rounds over the weekend. California is, has, is keeping key virus data out of public sight. That is the headline of the AP article. I actually read this article and I'm going to tell you exactly what it says. Uh, Because this is the kind of thing that I'm talking about here all the time, all the time. Listen to this. I'll just I'll just read you some of this article. Uh, California Governor uh, Gavin Newsom, who you've uh, who you've heard of, no doubt. uh, He said that his coronavirus policy decisions would be driven by data shared with the um, shared with the public to provide maximum transparency. But with the state starting to emerge from its worst stage, he, the, his administration won't disclose key information that will help determine what his latest stay-at-home order is lifted. So he, he says he's going to lift the stay-at-home order when, when conditions are right. He's just not going to tell you what those conditions are. So let me say that again, just so that you really hear exactly what I'm saying. There are certain conditions and factors in place that will determine when the stay-at-home order in California is lifted, but he's not going to tell you what those conditions are. And you know why? Listen to this. There is more uncertainty created by not releasing the data that only the state has access to. This is a quote from Dr. Lee Riley, chairman of the University of California, Berkeley School of Public Health, who is saying, you shouldn't do this. You should just tell us. Okay. He says that um, its release would allow outside experts to assess its value for projecting trends and the resulting decisions on lifting restrictions. So many people's lives are affected by this. It affects economy. It affects people's welfare. It is absolutely their mental health, but they're not going to tell you. No, no, no. You're, here's, a th- here's what he's saying. Californians, you're too stupid to understand this data. No, no. That's exactly what he's saying. Californians, you're too stupid to understand this. 
We'll take care of you, though. We understand it. We don't want you to know what factors we're using to determine your quality of life. But we'll take care of you. We will, we're here for you. Don't you understand? We're doing what we think we need to do for you. Uh, I think that's total BS. And I think, and, and, and so here's, here's another, here's some more quotes. I've just got to read these to you. Uh, First Amendment Coalition Executive Director David Snyder urged the state to change course. Quote, the state is wielding extraordinary power these days, power to close businesses, to directly impact people's livelihoods and even lives. And so it owes it to Californians to disclose how and why it makes those decisions, said Snyder, whose California public interest organization fights for greater government openness. Secrecy, he said, is the exact is exactly the wrong approach here and will only breed further mistrust, confusion and contempt for the crucial role of government in bringing us out of the crisis. Can you believe that? Californians, I'm sorry, you are too stupid to hear what we're using to determine your quality of life. Sorry. Sorry. War were declared. Let's go to the next article. More about the coronavirus. Oh, I'm infected. Help. Uh, again, this horrible way that, that CNN forces, you can't link to a direct, you can't link to an article. You have to link to this, this sort of weird feed. Now, there's 42 new updates, which I don't want to read. I just wanted to talk about this one. So this is what we have to do. The CDC is reviewing new data that suggests that uh, the coronavirus variant identified in the UK could be more deadly. Remember, I, I told you that they were saying last week and week before it's not more deadly now. Oh, maybe it is more deadly. Uh, the UK report. Oh, and yes, we have our uh, no, stop it. We have our UK uh, uh, music. A UK report released Friday that states that there is a realistic possibility that the new variant has a higher death rate than other variants. While the data is not conclusive, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson. Come on. Come on. I thought I had this organized and I guess I don't. That's your name, dude. Uh, said there is some evidence that the new variant may be associated with a higher degree of mortality. That's it. That's the whole news story. It may be. Maybe. Do they know? Is it like California and they know and they're just not sharing it? I don't know. All right. Uh, and New York Times. Oh, sorry. I can't read you this article because uh, it's, you know, blocked. But I read it before on the browser where I have a subscription. And basically, the New York Times, uh, is, there's a study that came out saying that blood plasma can reduce the risk of severe COVID-19 if it's given early. So basically, what's going on here is... If you take a blood donation from somebody who has had COVID and gotten over it, that they have antibodies in their blood. And if you reduce that down to blood plasma, which is typically what they do, and then you give somebody blood the blood plasma from a person who has the antibodies, now you have the antibodies and you get better faster. It seems to make sense. But what they don't say is if they think that that's something they should do for everybody, if they should do that only for severe cases, if it's only for people in a certain, con, you know, like uh, risk factors or comorbidities, uh, they don't really know and they're not really saying. Uh, here's another article in CNN uh, that has a uh, another, I guess, extreme uh, title, which is just what they do nowadays to get idiot. you to click on it. Uh, the title is The Face Mask That Could End the Pandemic. Well, doesn't that make you want to read the article? It makes me want to read the article. 
But again, now we go into this uh, this weird kind of mixed up op-ed style kind of reporting the news, kind of someone's opinion, um, getting Americans masked up already. Like I'm out at that point. I'm already out. Don't don't use slang in an article. It's dumbing every. Have you seen the movie Idiocracy? You need to see. I feel like you need to see the movie Idiocracy before you watch any of these shows or listen to any of these shows. Please go and I'll pause the show. Go watch Idiocracy and come back and then read these articles. Okay, listen. Getting Americans masked up is a top priority for the Biden administration. Biden, who calls wearing masks, quote, a patriotic act, signed an executive order Wednesday, his very first as president, to ask Americans to wear masks of their choice for the first 100 days of the new administration. The executive order also requires mask use on federal property, uh, though in this case, not just any old mask will do. And by the way, yes. Biden already broke his own rule. He apparently forgot to mask up uh, when um, sometime last week. But uh, he says uh, on Wednesday after the inauguration, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki Psaki showed off her bright white N95 mask in the press briefing room. Quote, I wore it out, of course, here today and will continue to do that, Psaki said. Virtue signaling after removing her medical grade mask and before turning to questions. Oh, it doesn't actually say virtual signaling in the article, but I thought I should add it because this is like an op-ed piece disguised as news. Uh, Here's what it says. N95 masks are considered the gold standard in personal protective equipment because they block 95% of large and small particles utilizing a unique electrostatic filter. We've known this. This isn't news. This isn't different. This isn't special. There's nothing new here. There's nothing that's been told or provided to us here that we didn't already know. The N95 masks are the the ones that pretty much seem to block everything or 95% of stuff. They're impossible to find and very expensive. And these are the ones that they were worried people would run out and buy because they're needed for the healthcare workers. So that's why they said in the beginning of the pandemic, oh, you don't need masks. They're not going to do anything. It's because they wanted to make sure, especially these masks, got to all the healthcare workers and was reserved for them. Now, there's something else I'm going to tell you about. You need to do your own research. It's important that I say I'm not an epidemiologist because I don't know. People seem to think maybe I am one. But research this yourself. The KN95 mask. I think the K stands for Korean, actually, but they're essentially the same thing as the N95 mask. There is some minor subtle difference. Go research it yourself, but you can find KN95 masks, which I'm saying, in my opinion, and from everything that I've read, are the same thing as the N95 masks. You can buy those. They're on Amazon and there are lots of other places. They are expensive. But if you want to upgrade your mask, I'll tell you what, that's all that I've worn since very early on in the pandemic, um, I had the cloth masks in the beginning when you couldn't get anything else and then immediately started wearing the KN95 masks. That's what I wear whenever I go out. That's what I wear whenever I go anywhere, a KN95 mask. And, uh, you know, they're affordable. They're expensive, but affordable. And you can find them on uh, Amazon and other places. And that's all this whole article talks about. Uh, here's a little diagram that they've put up showing the different kinds of masks Uh, a cloth mask versus a surgical mask versus a respirator. And as you start uh, here on the left, you go from lower protection to higher protection because one of the things that they've said from the beginning is masks don't protect the wearer. 
they protect other people. So be a good sport and wear the mask to protect all the other people. Well, guess what? An N95 mask actually does protect you. And now they're finally starting to talk about this. Guess why? Because these things are finally starting to be more available and the people in healthcare have enough. So all of a sudden they can talk, oh, the N95 mask, maybe you should get one. Oh, what do you think? So what? Um, so here's what the cloth, what they say about the cloth mask. And here's this diagram. Cloth masks protect others from the wearer's respiratory emissions and offer wear some protection. Surgical masks protect others from the wearer's respiratory emissions and offer wear some protection. But the N95 mask protects others from respiratory emissions and reduces wearer's exposure to particles. Let's not just say what it really does, which is it protects the wearer. We don't want to say that because if we say that it actually protects you, guess what? Now you're going to, you're going to react differently. So hmm, it reduces wearer's exposure to particles. That's, that's what it does. Reduce, let's reduce your particle exposure. That means it protects you, dummies. So guess what? Yeah, you could go and get this and maybe be safer. But that's not the only thing. Uh, that, uh, that, that they're talking about nowadays. I can't show you this next article uh, because, it's because it's, you know, blocked here. But uh, Denmark is starting to sequence all the different coronaviruses. Oh, here's another article on the same thing that we just covered. I apologize for that. But uh, what I'm trying to do is, okay, here is this article. Man, this site is just going completely... <laughs> Completely bonkers. I can't even He's even scroll in it. And why is it playing that? Don't want it to play that. Can't stop it. Can't make it stop. Thanks. There. Uh, basically, what they're saying is now two face masks are more effective than one. Wait a second. You're telling me the article on uh, Fox News. If you really want to uh, go suffer through this website to read it, let me do that for you. And and here's a quote from uh, from Fauci. If you have a physical covering with one layer, you put another layer on it, it just makes common sense that it likely will be more effective. Um, you know what? I mean, that is, uh, that, that requires this one. Well, you know, you go out there and you give 110% and you want to play good and, you know, you hope you play good. I think we play pretty good tonight. Yeah. Um, Guess what? The more coverings you have. So if you if you got a, a comforter off your bed and put that over your face and doubled it over, do you think that would be more protective than half of the comforter? And do you think that would be more protective than just a sheet? And do you think that would be more protective than, you know, just a single layer? Yeah, of course it is. But what this article basically says is uh, that your N90, that doubling up a paper or a cloth mask is more protective than the uh, just one alone and gets close to the protection of an N95. Before I had an N95 mask, I also doubled up masks. Some uh, people in the chat room are saying, oh, hold on, let's uh, jump over there to that one. Um, it says that um, KN95 masks are known as FPP2 in Europe. Thank you, Nelson. I didn't know that. Uh, <laughs> Andy says I'm the attorney of audio. I like that. I'm going to, I gotta, I gotta use that somewhere. Um, Nelson says N95, KN95 and FPP2 are all the same. Matt is asking me how often I switch my KN95 mask. I'll answer that in a second. Um, Andy says I was wearing a P100 respirator, had extra cartridges in the prep in, and stash winning. Um, they're saying it's FFP2. 
And uh, Mag says, don't wear masks with valves. I'll talk about that in a second. Andy says, wearing a P100 respirator. Yeah, those are amazing. Those are the ones that have like the big, you look like, you know, a hazmat uh, type person. And uh, they're saying, <laughs> Andy says, two N95s is an N190. Um, so uh, yeah, and Andy, if you can give me that link, he says there is a great video on the Minute Physics channel about N95 masks. Give me that and I'll throw it into the show notes and people can go check that out. Okay. There is a debate uh, about N95 masks because people who get them might not want to change them frequently enough, okay? And you can't wash them the way that you can wash a regular cloth mask that you've made at home or bought. You can wash those and should wash those after you wear them. Uh, And then the paper ones, I think you're supposed to just dispose of when you're done using it, right? Well, how often do you dispose of your N95 mask knowing that it's like 16 bucks for like five or something like that? The, the answer varies. What I have been told and what I've heard is that it depends. And this is a, this is a weird thing because again, now you're depending on regular people's common sense as far as whether and how often they should do something. And we know that uh, people aren't always the best at making those kinds of determinations. So a few of the different things I've heard uh, and this comes from a friend of mine at the CDC. They said that if if you've worn it for a full day, like you put it on in the morning and you take it off at the end of the day, you should get rid of it at the end of the day. Uh, does that is that the same as saying you should wear it for eight hours? I don't know. But for example, if you put it on to walk into the grocery store to go and pick up a bag of cat food and then leave. You don't probably need to throw it away after that. You could probably wear it a a little bit longer. This is my opinion. I'm not an epidemiologist, so you're going to have to go and study this for yourself, all right? But uh, does does it seem like you should throw away the mask after wearing it? No, definitely not. If you put it on and wore it all day at the office, would you get rid of it after? Uh, I would say probably. Seems like that would make sense to me. I think what they're worried about are people wearing them for many, many, many days for a long time in a row. Now, what's the problem with that? Why isn't that good? It's not that you're worried necessarily about the virus particles being trapped in the mask and them somehow working their way through. It's that the efficacy of the mask decreases by you breathing through it. The simple act of breathing through the mask over time sort of breaks it down and you don't know when that happens. So it's It's tough to say, guess what? You're going to have to use your common sense about that because there isn't a rule about that. It's certainly not, you're going to put one on and walk into the, uh, you know, walk into the drugstore to buy some Advil and then leave and throw it away. You don't need to do that, but you do need to pay attention to it. And remember, you can't clean them. Now, I did read that you can sterilize them by putting them in one of those like UV light things and that will eliminate the stuff that's living inside the mask if there is anything that's living inside the mask. But apparently still the efficacy of the mask deteriorates. Now, how long before the efficacy of the mask deteriorates and where it's actually not as good as something like a paper mask or a cloth mask? In other words, if you wear it for for, for three days straight, uh, is it then not as good as a cloth mask? I don't know. Fact check me on that. Fact mask. Uh, check me on that, please. All right. Uh, next piece of news here. Uh, just another piece here talking about how you can double mask. It says that uh, 
you know, washing your hands, maintaining social or physical distance of at least six feet and wearing a mask. Now they're saying double it. Well, guess what? If you double, double it, and this is a, a quote from the C, CBS Denver's medical director, Dave Hanita, Hanita, Hanita? That's your name, dude. Um, specifically, what we're saying is that two masks may actually equal the protection you would get from N95 masks, which is considered the best mask there is in short of complete respirator-type unit, which is the P100 uh, one. Uh, Andy says there was actually a process for putting the masks in the oven at a specific temperature for a certain amount of time. Some doctors were experimenting with it early on. I heard about that. I've heard you can put it in the UV thing. I've heard you can leave it in bright sunlight for like a for a few hours because the coronavirus isn't in. Remember how I talked about a good virus versus a bad virus and people got very upset because there is no such thing as a good virus. I mean, good in terms of successful. So I switched to that word. Coronavirus is not a successful virus in that it makes people who get it really sick and uh, sometimes kills them. And it's also a very weak virus in that it doesn't survive very. It, first of all, now we know very hard to get it from a surface. You're probably not going to get it from a surface. So that's one thing that they know. They still say wash your hands because then you eliminate all the chances of it. It's common sense. Is it on the surface? Did I touch the surface? I'll just wash my hands. No one's hurt by washing your hands, right? You don't need to use antibacterial soap and scrub for three hours. Regular soap, wash your hands, sing happy birthday, you're done, okay? That's all you need to do. It's easy. But what about, uh, anyway, two masks, mask it up, good. They think it might help. Won't hurt. Um. New thing that just came out, speaking of all, man, we got a lot of COVID stuff. It was a long weekend, but um, the CDC now is requiring you to wear face masks during transit. Uh, all travelers age two and older are now going to be required, this is nationally, to wear a mask if you are in transit. What does that mean? Well, they explain it. Airplanes, ferries, trains, subways, buses, taxis, and rideshare vehicles. You can remove them briefly to eat or drink. That makes no sense to me. No sense to me. Why is it okay for me to take a sandwich in the ride share, in the train, on the subway, on the airplane? I got my sand. I got my hoagie. I want to eat this hoagie. So I'm just going to take my mask off and to eat the hoagie. That's okay. And you know what? I'm thirsty. I'm going to drink some of my uh, lime uh, fizz water here. That's okay. I can sit there and drink that briefly, briefly. That doesn't make any sense. Just why? That is quintessential, most American thing I've ever heard. Everybody, you have to wear masks, but if you want to take it off when you eat or drink. So what does that mean? You just bring a Coke with you and now I don't need the mouth. I'm just going to sip it for a while, put it back on. One thing I will say that I am very happy about uh, seeing is less and less and less people with it down below their nose. Are you seeing less of that too? Are y'all seeing less of that too? I'm seeing uh, a lot less of that. Uh, Sandy says, I do paper and a cloth mask now. That's exactly what what, what they're saying to do. Um, uh, Andy, uh, okay, you added that to the, uh, to the links. Wonderful. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, Brianne says, if we all wear two masks, can we stand three feet closer together? I don't think it works that way. Um, my opinion is if you're outside and six feet away, 
do you still need to wear masks? And they don't get specific about that kind of thing. My opinion is, yes, and this is me, Dan, not the epidemiologist, but if you're outside and you're that far away, there's almost no chance from what I've read that that's a problem. Should you wear one anyway? Go ahead, put one on, put one on because it doesn't hurt. Why can't people understand this? Is it that bad that you can't get on the train and, and, and not eat your ahogi? Do you have to eat and drink constantly? I remember I had some friends, um, this is a while back, they were from Bulgaria and I was, we were talking one time about how they like America and she says, the one thing we can't get over is how much Americans have to eat and drink when they're going places and doing things. I said, what do you mean? She said, in Bulgaria, we eat at the table. That's it. We don't walk down the street shoving a bagel or a pizza into our mouth or eating a pretzel or a hot dog or something. We don't walk around drinking something. You want to drink, you go sit at the cafe and you drink. You're hungry, you go to the restaurant, you go home and sit at the table and, and eat. I don't get it. Okay. Uh, we talked about this last week and I told you this news was going to come out. Vaccinated people may spread the virus. That's it. That's the whole thing. That's the whole story. We've got a story on that. But I told you last week to look for that. And there it is in the news. What do you even need the news for? Just listen to me. I'll predict everything. Okay, guess what? Guess what? Uh, it, it is it is the time again to talk about uh, the minks. This is our concern, dude. We have more mink news for you. This is an article in Newsweek. Utah officials allegedly failed to disclose mink farm worker died of COVID after the outbreak. Amid ongoing debate over the threat posed by COVID-19 outbreaks in mink farms, State authorities in Utah allegedly failed to disclose the COVID-19 death of a mink farm worker linked to a coronavirus outbreak in a mink farm in the state. I'm telling you about the minks, okay? And, uh, and, and, and the mink is important. You got to pay attention to this. Scientists have previously warned that diseased mink can create new uncontrollable store and vector for the transmission of coronavirus to humans. First of all, who knew that minks were such a big deal? Mink was such a big deal. Did you know about that? Did you know mink was a thing? Apparently they're like super spreaders. Like the mink are like causing the coronavirus. There was an outbreak in Utah. The, uh, the county's, uh, country's first confirmed cases of COVID-19 infection in mink were announced in statements um, back in uh, a, a long time ago in August of 2020. These things are horrible. What are, what, what's happening with all the mink? And did you see this? <laughs> This other article, which I can't show you, but it says that mink escaped. Remember in, in the Danish one, well, they escaped and they don't know where they are. It's not about bats. It's about mink. Uh, <laughs> uh, AF Waller is saying, AF Waller, AF Waller has been with me since the start. How are you doing, AF Waller? Are you still in Atlanta? It says, do you know Joseph Carter, the mink man? No, <laughs> I do okay, not. I um, <laughs> Andy says 2020 bats are evil. 2021 minks hold my beer. I love it. Absolutely love it. All right. Um, now it is time to switch topics. We're no longer talking about Corona for today. Uh, Ponderous, man. we're talking about Trump Ponderous. now. Uh, Trump does want to run again, says former acting intelligence chief, Richard Grenell. Grenell. That's your name, dude. Uh, President Donald Trump on numerous occasions told his former acting director of U.S. national intelligence he wants to run again in 2024, prompting debate on whether he'd run as a Republican or a separate Patriot Party candidate. So now you know. Uh, I wonder, 
Now, if if he is successfully impeached, I believe that he can't hold office or can't run, can't run again. So we'll see if that happens. And perhaps that's some of the motivation behind impeachment. Now we're getting some quotes coming in from Fauci, who described uh, working for Trump, receiving very disturbing death threats in this interview that he did. Uh, this is an article in Rolling Stone magazine. It says now he can speak candidly because uh, uh, Trump is no longer there. And it says, Fauci said that for the first three years of the administration, the president was, quote, barely knew who I was. He didn't even meet Trump until more than halfway through his term. Fauci says the White House staff asked me to come down to the White House, bring my white coat and stand there as he signed an executive order regarding something about influenza. But of course, then as uh, coronavirus started to heat up, then he started to bring him in. And here's what he says uh, when it was happening in New York. This is what Fauci said. Quote, I would try to express the gravity of the situation. And the response of the president was always leaning toward, well, it's not that bad, right? And I would say, yes, it is that bad. It was almost a reflex response trying to coax you to minimize it, not saying I want you to minimize it, but, oh, really? Was it that bad? End quote. Uh, He also says um, that uh, Trump would tend to believe anything his business connections, not doctors, not epidemiologists, but his business connections uh, would tell him saying, quote, he would take just as seriously their opinion based on no data, just anecdote, that something might really be important, Fauci told the Times. Quote, it wasn't just hydrochloroquine. It was a variety of alternative medicine type approaches. It was always a guy called me up, a friend of mine from blah, blah. That's when my anxiety started to escalate. Uh, You can read the rest of that in the Rolling Stones and the New York Times. Uh, Deborah Bix, Bricks, Burks, Burks. Bricks, it's actually Burks, says some Donald Trump White House staff believed COVID was a hoax. That's right. This is a quote uh, from CBS News Face the Nation, where she was talking about the challenges she faced while working with Trump. Quote, there were definitely people who there were people who definitely believed this was a hoax, uh, she said. Uh, I think because the information was confusing at the beginning. I think because we didn't talk about the spectrum of disease, they saw people get COVID and be fine. And they had us talking about how severe the disease is and how it could cause these unbelievable fatalities to our American public. Uh, she said, Burks claimed Trump appreciated the gravity of the pandemic in March last year, but said the president was being fed information that wasn't coming from her. Uh, and she said there were parallel data streams. Parallel data streams. Mm-hmm. Uh, Biden has replaced the controversial White House physician. You remember this dude? Uh, if you are watching, I'm sure that you'll see this and uh, remember this dude. Uh, his name is there not even. Oh, there it is. A Kevin, Dr. Kevin O'Connor, who apparently um, gave a whole bunch of information that was a little bit different from what was coming out of the CDC and other places. Uh, he's out. So Biden cleaning house. Uh, oh. I'm definitely going to need the toilet flush for this article. AMC Theaters is staved off bankruptcy just in time for studios to delay their films again. Yeah, they uh, AMC has raised a billion dollars in the last month uh, to try and keep their uh, doors open. Uh, but then major studios, Paramount, Sony, Fox, delayed a whole bunch of films into the latter half of the year. So despite the fact that AMC raised something like $917 million uh, and that they they think this will give them runway into 2021 to stay alive, now all these movies are delayed. 
So some of the movies that have been delayed are Morbius, which is the Jared Leto um, vampire, uh, you know, Spider-Man type crossover movie, uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, No Time to Die, Uncharted, and more. They're now being delayed uh, into October 2021 and beyond. Uncharted has moved into 2022. Um, Black F9 and Black Widow, they think were they that were slated for the first half of 2021 are now going to be pushed out as well. So uh, what do you think about that? Uh, bad for movie theaters. Um, here's something that listener Brianne sent me. Uh, very disturbing. In the news of the weird, I need some kind of sound, not just, you know, you know the, uh, the music that I play. Uh, I need some kind of sound, so send it in. Uh, but Microsoft has filed a patent to create chatbots that imitate dead people. The chatbot would have its own personality index based on images, voice, data, and more. And as uh, Brianne said when submitting this article, uh, this was an episode of Black Mirror. Um, I don't want to spoil it, so I'm not going to tell you which one it was, but uh, weird. I don't want my dead loved ones being revived into chatbots. <laughs> This is actually a link on IGN, but it's a report on The Independent. It says that they've raised the possibility of creating an AI-based chatbot chat that will be built upon the profile of a person, including their images, voice data, social media posts, electronic messages, among other types of personal information. And it's understood the chatbot would then be able to simulate human conversation through voice commands and or texts. It's taken it a step further by suggesting that a 2 or 3D model of the specific person could potentially be created using images and depth information or voice data on an individual in order to build a chatbot that has the same characteristics and behavior as the person based on what they know about them in their digital life. Now, you would think for somebody like me, who's been recording more than daily for 16 years, they could probably piece that together pretty well. I've got a lot on Twitter. I've got a lot on Instagram. And now I've got video shows I've done them for a few years, actually. This isn't my first video show. Um, I mean, I think it's pretty weird. I think it's pretty disturbing and and not something that I ever want to happen. Uh, so, yeah. He's a good man. I'm thorough. Uh, some notes in, in the chat. Nelson says, I can read dead people. Exactly. Um, Amazon's upload does what? To talk, talks about the same thing. Oh, I watched Upload. Yeah, yeah. Um, so now it's time for me to, to talk about this Business Insider article because I promised you all that I would. I, I really don't even know where to start with this thing. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to translate it for you because it is, it is like theater of the uh, absurd. This guy moved his family from California to Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. and he regretted it. So here are 10 key points every person should consider before relocating. Okay. So I guess this dude's name is Brett, uh, Brett Alder. Alder. That's your name, dude. And uh, he, he, uh... <laughs> okay. I'm going to read you parts of this article, and then I'm going to help you reframe it in a way that makes sense to real human beings. Uh, 
here's what he says. A lot of people, including myself, moved from California to Austin because the hype and the perception that California and Austin are reasonably comparable in lifestyle, we found that to be far from the case. Now, I have never heard anyone say that it was comparable. I haven't heard that. I've heard them say it was better. I've heard them say that it was alternative to California, but I never used the word, heard the word comparable used. Okay, but maybe that's the impression he got. That's cool. We'll go with that. He said, here's what we learned or 10 reasons why Austin is not the quote, California of Texas. But first, what does Austin have in common with California? But this is a persuasion technique where it sounds like he's going to say, oh, what are the things that they have in common? But what he's actually doing is he's using this as a thinly veiled attempt to criticize Austin. I'm not saying that he's wrong. I'm just saying it's absurd. So uh, Austin, like California, is not affordable. The thing that California and Austin definitely have in common is that they're both very expensive. Austin is not cheap. Let, I'm just reading from the article. Let the word sink in. Austin is not cheap. It's actually quite expensive. I don't ever hear anyone say that Austin is cheap. It is less expensive than California, but it's not cheap. It's the most expensive place to live in Texas. He says, we moved from San Diego in 2015, owning a 2000 square foot house on a one third acre, looking for a boost in lifestyle. If you're looking for great schools, the Southwest and Northwest sectors of Austin are the main options. Uh, so we bought, listen to this, listen to this. We bought a 4,000 square foot house in B cave with quote, great schools. This is what he says. It's all in his quotes and everything. We heard Austin was extremely hot. So we got a place with a pool. Oh my gosh. So you doubled the size house that you had. You had a 2,000 square foot house in California and you bought a 4,000 square foot house in Austin. Okay. And yes, Mags, the guy did move to Bee Cave. And no, you're right. It isn't really Austin. That's Bee Cave. Let me just say this again. He bought a 4,000 square foot house, double the size of his other house. And then what is the first thing he does? He complains about property taxes and how much they are. <laughs> well, guess what? You're pro I don't know anyone that lives in a 4,000 square foot house unless they're multimillionaires. My house is about 2,000 square feet and it's big. 4,000 square feet. And then he decides to complain about property taxes. Okay, that's fine. Power. He says energy is incredibly expensive. You want a big house and they're so cheap, but then it costs a fortune to heat and cool. We're paying $400 per month during the summer and winter, and we're uncomfortable. Our thermostat was set to 79 degrees Fahrenheit in the summer and 65 to 69 degrees Fahrenheit in the winter. To be comfortable would have cost us $700 to $1,000 per month because you're in a 4,000 square foot home in my 2,000 square foot home. Yeah, it's expensive. And I am always angry about the electric bill. And I, I keep it much cooler than 79 degrees in the summer and much warmer than 65 degrees. But those are not the bills that I'm seeing because I don't live in a McMansion. I live in a big house at 2,000 square feet 
and it's half the size of this Joker's McMansion. Water. Water is shockingly expensive. In Northwest Austin, they pump water from Lake Travis, which is only a few miles away. But that doesn't stop greedy water collectives from shaking you down. We paid $89 per month just for the privilege of being connected to city water using zero gallons. And they just jacked that base rate to 97. Okay, so guess what? Utilities are expensive. But what's he paying for? Listen to this. We had a well for landscape watering, but otherwise our water bill for a young family. Oh, now you're a young family. You're a young family. You don't look young in your picture, first of all. Second of all, you bought a 4,000 square foot house in Bee Cave. That's not what young families do. FYI, a 4,000 square foot house in Bee Cave is not what a young family buys. It's an affluent area. It's technically not really Austin. And there is no young family buying a 4,000 square foot house in Bee Cave. FYI, listen to this, uh, $300 to $400 per month is what he thinks it would have cost him. Uh, new sod, try $1,200 per month for water. Our water in San Diego was cheaper during a drought and we got it from two states away. That's effed up. You shouldn't be getting water from two states away. Right there is a problem. And whoever said that Austin water was going to be cheap? You could have researched all of this stuff before you moved if you had wanted to. Services. We thought living in Texas, stuff would be cheap. Why did you think that? We thought living in Texas, stuff would be cheap. Why did you think that? Who said it would be cheap? Did you visit Austin first? Did you get like a house for a month in the summer to see if you would like it? Because you can, you can rent places to live here. You don't have to move. Why did you think it would be cheap? Did you talk to anyone? Did you ask anyone who lives here? Why would stuff be cheap in Austin or Texas? Why? Because it's a big place? Because Texas is a, a big state, so it's going to be cheaper? Why? Why did you think that it would be cheap? But with so many people moving to Austin, the service industry is in red hot demand. Expensive pool maintenance, expensive landscaping services, expensive home repairs, expensive dining and movies. All of these are things that you could have found out before you moved to Austin if you'd done the research, first of all. Second of all, no one told you to have a pool. You can xeriscape your landscape so that you don't have to water it or take care of it at all. And many people do that, and it still looks really good. Expensive home repairs. Really? Home repairs cost more in Austin? I doubt it. Expensive dining and movies. I mean, it's expensive to eat out in any big city, isn't it? And good food costs money. But guess what? The cost of a hamburger at Burger King, where I still want that shirt to the guy who said, you're going to get me that shirt. I'm not forgetting. It's the same price to get a burger at Burger King here as it is in San Diego. Are you saying the nice restaurants are more expensive? Then don't eat at them or cook at home. These are options for you. Okay. Travel. For reasons described below, most anyone who can leaves Austin for a month or two during the summer to escape the heat. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? I don't know anybody who leaves Austin for two months when they can, if they can afford to in the summer. No, they don't. What are you talking about? That is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. It is absolutely not true. Now, 
Granted, I haven't, I've only been here for like coming up on 10 years, but I've never seen that. I don't know anyone that does that. That's expensive since to get anywhere interesting involves flying and hotel stays. Budget another several thousand dollars per year because again, people leave Austin for a month or two during the summer to escape the heat. Mm -hmm. Sure they do. Weather. Texas weather is hard on houses. Hailstorms will ruin your roof. Torrential rain and scorpions will get inside. Torrential rain will get inside and scorpions will get inside. Okay. We spent tens of thousands on unexpected home repairs and remediation and talking to other people. It wasn't uncommon. Okay. I don't know anyone in Austin who has replaced their roof. I don't know anyone who's had torrential rain get inside their houses. And I, scorpions, I do know a couple of people that have seen scorpions. I've seen one and it was already dead. 10 years. I don't want to jinx anything because I don't like scorpions. Is seeing a scorpion inside your house a, ba a reason to not move to Texas? Well, then don't move to Arizona because there's black widows there. So you better not move there. They'll get in your house. And I know lots of people, lots of people who've told me that uh, black widows have gotten into their houses in places like Arizona. So make sure you don't move there. Don't move to Australia because they have those huntsman spiders that get into your house there. Don't move there. Uh, don't move to Florida because mosquitoes will get into your house. It's happened to me more than once. But scorpions, now listen, when they say scorpions, they're like that big. And yeah, they can sting you if you step on one. I've seen one in 10 years and it was already dead. Finally, key point, lifestyle. And yes, I'm going to go through this whole article. So see you now if you don't want to stay here for it. But this is the best part of the show, in my opinion. Although we doubled the size of our house and kitchen and yard, we felt more cramped and cooped up in Austin than San Diego or San Jose due to bad weather and lack of public spaces. A 2,000 square foot house with a yard in Austin is cheap compared to the same house in San Diego, but offers nowhere close to the same lifestyle because your yard in San Diego is living space and in Austin it's not. Can't argue that point. You can spend a lot more time outside in San Diego than you can in Austin. He's right. That's true. In California, you can put your sofa outside out back and it's not going to rain on you and it, you can eat dinners out there and it's lovely. But guess what? California is the only place in America where you can do that. And that's why people want to live in California because you can't do that anywhere else. You just can't. I'm going to skip through. I, I said I was going to go through all of it. He already covers most of these things, but I, I like this. He says, there's nowhere to go. Aside from the fact that everything is private, where are you going to go anyway? There are no snowy mountains, no raging rivers, and no soaring arches. If you live in Austin, things don't change much in a huge seven-hour drive radius. Since we love the outdoors, exploring, climbing, rafting, Austin was not our cup of tea. It's too bad you didn't know that there are no snowy mountains, raging rivers, or soaring arches before you moved to Austin. Doesn't that say There was no way for this guy to know that. There is no way to know it. If you were to Google Austin in those pictures, I'm sure that you would see snowy mountains, raging rivers, and soaring arches. You would see all of those, wouldn't you? I mean, you'd have to be able to find all of those in the pictures of... Oh, wait. There are none of those in the pictures of Austin. It's too bad you can't talk to anyone in Austin to find out if those things are there. And I really feel for these people because it was impossible for them to visit Austin 
and see that there weren't those things here. I mean, it's just frustrating that he couldn't do that beforehand. Dishonesty. Think about integrity much? I didn't. I've worked with hundreds of companies and thousands of people in California. Sure, there are bad apples, but by and large, integrity is a default way to treat people here. It's not even something we talk about. Not so in Austin. First, it was the people we bought the home from. They lied about the cause of a leak, failed to disclose well water quality issues that made us sick, lied about how much stuff cost to repair, etc. but it didn't stop there. We hired a guy with a five-star rating on Yelp to pull up flooded carpet who completely and very obviously busted our closet doors while removing them and never said a word about the damage. Or whose carpet cleaner made a foot-long burn mark upstairs that left without a word. Or the mover, also five stars on, on Yelp, who, who we hired who offered to help sell our leather sectional and $600, and $600 ping pong table and split the proceeds with us. We never heard back from him. We never heard back from him. Okay, so you made some bad decisions. I haven't found any of that to be true in 10 years of being here. Yeah, we had a landscape guy who really sucked and did a crappy job. Is that unique to Austin, though? Could that have happened somewhere else? Has this guy ever visited Florida? I couldn't get a single repair person to ever be honest in Florida except one guy. And I was there for a lot longer than 10 years. Okay, I'm going to keep going just for a little bit longer, just because this is, this is ponderous. Yelp. He has a whole section called Yelp. Yes, there is good food in Austin, but you can't trust Yelp to find it because it doesn't work in Austin. We drove 40 minutes for good Southern Indian food at a 4.5 star rated establishment. It was one of the worst service experiences of my life. Notice the teardrop stains on this post. In general, you couldn't trust Yelp as much, which was so disconcerting, especially for a new person. Yelp is great here. And I've never driven 40 minutes to eat anywhere in Austin. There's tons of amazing restaurants. And you know what? Talk to people. Who cares about Yelp? Ask your friends. Ask people who do live here. Walk around and look. Is the restaurant packed? Well, now obviously it's COVID, so it's not. But back in the pre-COVID days, is the restaurant packed? Is it busy? That's your best gauge. If it's empty at lunchtime or dinner, don't eat there. Don't eat there. Eat at the place that's busy because locals know where the good food is and we go and eat where the good food is. Uh, I'm not even going to talk to his section about rudeness because it's just, it's just ridiculous. He talks about monoculture. He talks about punitive militaristic schools and sports. <laughs> he talks about cedar allergies. That's true. Cedar season is horrible here. That's his first point that I completely agree with. It sucks. Cedar fever is horrible. Um, he has 11 because he couldn't stop at 10. Big luxury home obsession. He says that um, I'm guessing because of a lack of public land, terrible weather, etc., that Austinites get really into their houses. We saw some unbelievably ornate homes, Castle-esque, and there's pressure to keep your house immaculate. You can buy a home that's really nice by California standards, only to find that everyone else's house is much nicer than yours, which we didn't care about until we found that no one wanted to buy our less than luxurious home. OMG, this guy takes the cake. and I'm done talking about it. Uh, but this guy is an idiot. Guess what the moral of the story is? The moral of the story isn't what he says it is. 
it would take a lot of money to buy a California-like lifestyle in Austin. If you're moving to Austin, make sure it's because of the things that it offers. Downtown lifestyle, barbecue, football, live music, nice houses, professional opportunity, and you won't miss the things you're leaving behind. Good weather, public spaces, etc. It was an expensive mistake, but my family and I now see California in a completely new light. We feel very fortunate to be living in the Bay Area. You're welcome. That's how he ends it. How about this? Visit the place that you want to move before you move. Spend some time there. Talk to the locals. See if it's what you want before you move. Don't blame Austin for your unhappiness. Blame your own stupidity for not doing any research or investigation or spending any time in the city that you like. I'm glad that you've moved back to the Bay Area. You can have it. And that's all I've got for you all today. You can follow me anywhere you go at Dan Benjamin on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, wherever you want to go. That's me. Uh, thanks to all of you for helping me get onto LinkedIn. I've submitted my application. Maybe I'll be able to provide some cool LinkedIn content there. I'm looking forward to doing that. Subscribe to the channel. It's right up here. Click the little bell. Dan Benjamin, oh, youtube.com slash Dan Benjamin is a place to go for that. And please, please support me on Patreon. Every little bit helps. I think it's worth five bucks a month. None of you have done it. None of you have done it. I see how many thousands of views this show gets. None of you are supporting me on Patreon. And shame on you. Shame on you. Patreon.com slash Dan Benjamin. That's all I've got for you today. I will be back tomorrow. Same time, same place. Have a good one. See you then.